This episode is brought to you by my free five-day Book More Birthdays Challenge. If you are a business owner that books children's parties or events, whether you are a physical location or a mobile business, I want to help you create a rock-solid plan to book out your birthday calendar for the rest of 2022 through 2023 in just five days beginning soon. So head to the show notes or episode description to join us now. First, we're going to audit our current strategies, crunch all the numbers, figure out how we could be better attracting our most ideal clients, you know, those ones who not only gladly pay your full prices, but who you also love working with, and then create a plan to execute the strategy to book out our calendars and empower and excite our teams to be an integral part of the process. Join me for five days of value-packed info inside a closed participant-only Facebook group, all starting soon. Head to the show notes and join us now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, playmakers, happy Friday. So if you've been following along for the last two episodes, we're kind of doing like a group reread of the book Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz, or a first read if you've never picked this book up before. And if you remember all the way back in episode 18, I shared my five favorite business books that I find myself recommending to anyone who's just getting started or anyone who wants to grow their business and boost their profitability. And I absolutely love the book Clockwork, and I thought this was the perfect time of year to do like a group read together. So in episodes, uh, the last two episodes, we read chapters one and two together. And In today's episode, I want to talk about chapters three and four. So just as a quick reminder, the book is available on Amazon. I linked it in the show notes. It's also available as an audiobook, and Mike reads it himself, and he does a really great job narrating it. And it's honestly a really quick read. So even though it's, you know, pretty much as thick as any other book out there, There are quite a few diagrams and tables and examples, so this is definitely a book that you can get through in just a couple days. So before we get to today's episode, I just want to quickly remind you that if you're listening and you find these episodes helpful, the best way that you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening. I appreciate it so much. I love seeing all the kind words come in every single week. And like I said, I'm going to start reading them on the air and giving some shout outs. And also before we get to today's episode, I just want to give a shout out to Christine from Sweet Peas Play Cafe in Kokomo, Indiana. She shared in our Playmaker Society group that she actually implemented the email marketing tips that I talked about in episode 110, specifically resending a previous offer to a small subset of customers to kind of boost those sales without having to clutter every single person on your list's inbox. And it's also just a way to work smarter, not harder, because it's much quicker than creating an entire new campaign from scratch. So she implemented this, and I don't have the post up in front of me, but she said she made some event sales, and she also had like an 80% open rate 
for that email. So congrats, Christine. I'm so glad that you're implementing these tips and seeing success with them. If you ever have something that you want to share with me, or if you want a little shout out of your own, please feel free to message me on Instagram. Or if you're in the Playmaker Society group, head over there, tag the episode, and let me know what you've been implementing and what results you're seeing because it helps so much. All right, so back to today's episode. In chapters three and four of the book Clockwork, Mike Michalowicz talks about finding, protecting, and serving your QBR. Now, this is not quarterback rating. I was watching Thursday Night Football last night. It actually stands for Queen Bee Roll. And this is the singular most important activity that the success of your business hinders on. Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, obviously that's just my most important revenue stream. So for you, it might be memberships. For you, it might be parties or classes. But I actually want to get way deeper than that. So the reason that Mike calls this the QBR or the Queen Bee Roll is because it's very similar to how you'll look to bees in nature. So for example, the one singular goal of the beehive is to stay alive, right? They want to keep producing. They want to keep replenishing their bees and things like that. So for a beehive, the QBR is not the queen bee itself because the queen is in fact replaceable, but the queen bee role is the service that the queen provides. In this case, laying eggs and replenishing the bees so that they can continue growing and sustaining. So again, it's the act of producing eggs that is the queen bee role, not the queen bee itself. And I'm going to give you a couple examples, but again, I want you to think beyond your revenue stream and get even more specific than that. So for example, in my online business, my QBR is creating free content. So even if I never create another new course, even if I stop doing everything else in my business, I mean, obviously, yes, I still have to continue serving my current customers and answering emails and things like that. But those are more maintenance tasks. Again, I want you to think of what is going to make your business run, what's going to generate revenue, what's going to keep your business sustainable. And for me, that's creating free content that's searchable. So YouTube videos, podcasts, things like that. If I stop creating content, sure, I'm still going to make a little bit of new revenue and I'm going to be able to sustain myself for a while, but eventually the well of new leads and new customers entering my universe is going to dry up. I'm not going to be seeing as many new course sales. So again, I can sustain my business without creating free content like For example, last summer, I took the entire summer off. I didn't do any episodes. I didn't do any YouTube videos. And sure, I saw a decline in revenue, but I could have sustained myself throughout that summer. And I did. But like I said, it wouldn't last forever. Now, back in my Play Cafe, or Play, not Play Cafe Academy, back in my Play Cafe ownership days, our QBR was, yes, parties, But more specifically, our QBR was serving adult guests at parties. Now, this might seem very counterintuitive to you because we are a kid's play space. However, this is something that we really honed in on. And we really made sure that everything about our facility and everything about our packages was completely designed around 
making sure the adult guests at the party had a good time. Because after we did the initial work of designing and setting up our play space, we knew that it wasn't going to be that difficult to entertain a group of babies, toddlers, and preschoolers, because that's exactly who we served, generally kids who were under school age. So that was the easy part. That was kind of a one-time effort. And again, we're speaking in absolutes here. So of course, we maintained our play equipment. We kept it fresh. We got new pieces, things like that. But that was not what our business hinged on. Our business hinged on booking new parties. And we knew that because we served kids that were under school age who were not yet reading or writing, who were not yet you know, necessarily having very strong opinions about where they wanted their birthday party to be held, we knew that our business relied on making sure that our parties caused a buzz among the adult guests because we knew that for younger kids, the adults were ultimately going to be the ones who were going to decide, okay, is this a place where we want to have our own party or is it not? So we really focused on making sure we had enough staff to serve coffees and hot lattes and espresso because that was one of our biggest differentiators amongst our competition. So sure, there were plenty of other play cafes in the area, but something that really set us apart is that we had like a Starbucks quality or caliber cafe and we had a really unique menu. We used fresh ingredients. We had all of the milk alternatives. We had all the flavors, whereas all of our other competitors who were also competing for those same party bookings, they generally just had a latte or a cappuccino on the menu. And they were using those push button machines, whereas we had specifically trained baristas to really put something in front of our customers that we were really proud of and that they really enjoyed. So that was just one aspect that we really focused on in our business that allowed us to serve those adult party guests. We also made sure that we were constantly clearing plates and making sure the adults didn't have to lift a finger during the party. We served the pizza. We cut the cake. We did everything for that host. And I'm telling you, the other adult guests at the party took notice because a lot of the complaints that we were hearing about when we did focus groups and things like that were around the fact that when you host a party, you're not able to mingle with your family. You're not able to enjoy this milestone moment with your child. And a lot of times, you know, over 85% of our parties were first birthday parties. And a lot of people and a lot of cultures, especially treat first birthday parties with a lot of significance and they almost treat it as like a family reunion. So it's a good chance to get everyone in the entire family together, whether or not they have kids. And Because of that, it usually results in a lot of adult guests and not as many kids. So again, we really focused on serving those people. And another way that we went about doing this was we made sure that we always had comfortable seating and enough adult seating because I know we always book my son's party at this one Ninja Warrior facility in Buffalo. It's our third year hosting his birthday party there this time. And we actually booked my younger son's birthday party um, this year as well because they're older now and we don't invite adults to parties anymore. The parents are very happy to just drop their kids off and skedaddle. 
but they only have kids seating. So when we did invite a couple adults, so we invited the kids' grandparents and some of their aunts and uncles and cousins, there was nowhere for the adults to sit. Now, again, because these kids are older now and not as many adults stay, it's not a big deal. And I would actually probably be annoyed if the facility was taken up by a lot of adult seating that we didn't need. However, again, for these very young kids who have their adults and their caregivers accompany them at parties, it is very important to make sure that the adults have seating and that it's comfortable and that it's within eyeshot of the play area at all times so that, again, the adults can actually sit back and relax, enjoy the company of their guests, and if they're a guest, they want to enjoy the company of the other guests and make sure that it's an experience just as much for them as it is for the kids. Because again, if you are a kid's play area, chances are you put a lot of hard work and time and effort into making your play area. So don't forget about who actually pulls the credit card out and makes the decision to make that party booking. So that was our QBR, was serving adult guests at parties. And just one more thing before we hop off, I want to share one more way that we really went about doing this is we had almost what I would call a party concierge. So this was usually me, but again, towards the end of our business, I started to delegate this a little bit more, but we would call, first we would email the parents about 10 days prior to the party. We would provide them with a timeline, all the information that they needed, all the package choices and options that they made up to that point. And then we would follow that up with a call and we would walk through the add-on menu. We would ask if there was absolutely anything else that we could do to make their day go a lot easier. Because what we found is that generally parents would book their parties far in advance. So like six plus months in advance. And they would say, oh, I'm going to hand make favors or, oh, I have plenty of time to put together these decorations and things like that. And then when we would follow up with the call, like 10 days or so prior, we would find that a lot of times their best laid plans didn't necessarily work out and they needed a little bit of extra help from us to really take that burden off their shoulders and still make sure that their child and their friends and their guests had an excellent time. So whereas a lot of facilities would just simply send an email or just a confirmation or an invoice or something like that. We really took the time and I would set aside at least 20 minutes for each of these phone calls because chances are, like I said, they do need extra add-ons. So I made sure that I would be in a quiet place. I made sure to set aside enough time to talk through all of these options, help them weigh their options, talk about different themes and all of their different available choices to them. And this almost always resulted in about an extra $100 and add-ons being added, whether it was a $50 coffee bar and then some favors, or whether it was an extra pizza and decorations, or whether that was a balloon arch or a garland. But this is a money-making task. This isn't just a maintenance task. So in the last episode, I talked about dividing your tasks between money-making tasks and maintenance tasks. And I mentioned that executing parties and things like that were examples of maintenance taxes. But this pre-party call and communication, actually, I would divide that into a money-making task because it always resulted in extra sales and extra profit on top of an already booked birthday party package. 
And we also would always follow up with the host in the same way after the party. We would ask a series of thoughtful but still quick questions. We wanted to understand if there was anything that we left out, anything that didn't go to according to plan, any feedback that they had, because not only did we want to catch any negative reviews or feelings before they posted them publicly, but we also wanted to see what keywords people were using. So were they talking about the coffee bar? Were they talking about how easy it was to have their gifts loaded in the car for them? Were they talking about how nice it was to have all the adult seating? Or did they have complaints that needed to be addressed? So that really helped us, again, grow, improve, but also identify those key selling points so that we knew what to call attention to in our marketing materials, in our social media posts, in our videos, in our communication with potential customers. So our experience really went all the way from booking all the way through and after the party. And again, helping or really focusing on serving these adult guests, not just the host, but all of the guests, that was really what led to us having a booked out birthday party calendar, again, up to six months in advance. And that's exactly why I'm doing another Book More Birthdays Challenge, which I talked about at the beginning of the episode. So if you want to learn more of our quote-unquote secret sauce about booking more parties and really making sure everyone had the best experience possible, head to the show notes because that challenge is linked. But your play of the day today is, again, to read chapters three and four at least of the book Clockwork or listen to it in your earbuds and come up with your queen bee role. And this might have to go through a couple different rounds of iterations, and you might have to adjust this as your business changes. Again, that's okay. Just like your business plan and your projections and your revenue streams, this can be an influx thing. So if you decide to pivot and really focus on a different revenue stream, so whereas previously you were focusing on open play, now all of a sudden you want to focus on memberships after listening to episode 115. This can change. So don't think of it in absolutes, just get it done, come up with your current QBR and know that there is room for growth. There's room for change and don't be too hard on yourself. This is just something that I want you to think about, put a stake in the ground, declare your QBR. And then in the next couple episodes, we're going to talk more about how that looks in actual practice for different QBRs. We're going to talk about protecting and serving it. And we're going to pretty much finish out the clockwork book. So if you haven't picked up the book yet, this is your chance to do so. You have the entire weekend to catch up and we are going to dive right back in on Monday. Thank you so much for listening. Again, as another quick reminder, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And I appreciate all of the five-star ratings and reviews you guys are leaving. So if you haven't yet, that is the best way to show support for me or for the show. And I appreciate it so much. All right. Happy Friday, Playmakers. I will see you on Monday.